I'm going to go and pray for us as we jump into the Word. We're going to be uh, a little bit all over the place um, with Scripture, so I'm not going to read through a specific passage right now, but I'm going to go and pray for us if you join me. Lord, we're so thankful for your Word, God. So thankful for this time to uh, just encourage our hearts and, and proclaim your truth over us and, and just be reset as we look into the new year. We just um, pray for all those in our family that are... Uh, that are traveling and, and that are um, busy with work and different things this evening. And just pray that they be encouraged this evening uh, as they also look forward to the new year. Lord, we pray for our church. Uh, we're excited about what you're doing here. We're so glad that um, this family is, is bigger than whatever building we end up in day to day. And uh, we just trust you, God, with every moment and every, uh, every hour. So, um, God, we just give this time to you. And, and God, we just pray you would encourage our hearts uh, this evening with these words of just a reminder of who we are as a people and what you've called us to do uh, in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So, uh, Christy and I moved here 11 years ago uh, to follow a call to start Restoration Church, and then 10 years ago, started having our first services just a couple doors down on Fort Harrison here. Um, and so it's been 10 years since we started Restoration Church, and we had a couple things in mind as we were starting this church, and uh, I've told it a number of times that in church planting, like, you know, basically the, the chur a church planter is not trying to reinvent the wheel, but trying to give a vision for how we're going to apply the message of scripture. So even though the words might change, or, you know, the, the buzzwords that we're using might change, or our, our values, our mission statements, or whatever might change into today's language, the truth is we're going back to scripture and finding them grounded there. And so, uh, there were two things that stood out to me as we were starting a church that I felt needed to be central to us. That's mission and community, okay? Uh, a call to follow the instruction of the Lord and a call to do that corporately, not in an individualistic manner, but as a body of believers. And so when we started Restoration 10 years ago, we wanted to be marked by two things, obedience to the Lord's instructions and a community of believers that loved one another the same way Christ has loved us. And so I'm going to walk through a little bit of that uh, this evening. The, the, the first one is this, you know, the instruction that Jesus gives is actually very simple before he goes off uh, to heaven and leaves his disciples. It's, it's simply this, go make disciples. He's gathered some disciples among him uh, during his time of ministry. We've been seeing that in the book of Mark, these followers of Jesus come um, and he's been challenged them, encouraged them what the kingdom of God looks like, that it's marked by uh, seeing a time fulfilled, repenting and believing, and seeing his kingdom presence in our midst. Um, and as he leaves, he gives them this very simple instruction from Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The fact is that our lives uh, should always be built and modeled around a single desire to see others come to follow, obey, and trust Jesus with their lives. It's like whatever we're doing, whether we're planting a church or whether we're going to a job or making sandwiches, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, whatever it is, however we're modeling and structuring our lives, it should be such that we're desiring to fulfill this command to make disciples. Not just evangelize or hand out tracts or whatever, but to point people to Jesus throughout the course of our life. Everything we do ought to be modeled toward that end. 
And same is true in church. Our desire is to fulfill this command to go forward and make disciples. Um, Jesus is the only hope of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We want to share that with our lives. Every other attempt to get to heaven is based on works that we have done. In Jesus, we find that the work is done on our behalf, and we respond to that in, in following him. And so we want to go to the world with that message that Jesus has come and paid for all of our sin and that we can be uh, restored to God the Father through Jesus alone. And so that's the first component that we're called to go with this message, this message of the gospel, this message we've been studying for weeks and weeks and weeks in the book of Mark and even before that, this message that, I mean, I'm not going to say anything new ever when I'm up here. It's just going to be the same. Jesus is the way, okay? There's no new information coming, okay? The gospel is the gospel, and it's been the same gospel for 2,000 years and beyond. And so, so it's not going to be new. It just is this message, this word that God has given us that Jesus has come and died for our sin and wants to have a life with us. Um, so that's the, that's the first part. We go, right? We're going with this message that God has given us. The second piece is this, that we're doing that not as individual lone rangers, but as a community. Um, as you step back and look at the whole of Scripture, you see this instruction was always meant for a community of believers, not individuals only, but actually that individual and everyone surrounding them. A community is called to respond to this message. We saw, we've seen it in the Old Testament, how God called the whole nation to follow him. Not just one person, but a person and their household and their nation were to follow the Lord. We see it in Jesus' ministry when he sends them out to minister on his behalf during his time on earth. He sends them out two by two, not alone, but depending on each other and going forward following the Spirit. You see it in the book of Acts, um, when the church is just starting out, Acts 2, 42 to 47, which says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing them the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who are being saved. You see this message from Acts that they were together in this. The whole time they were focused on, okay, the Lord has done this for me, and I'm looking at my brother and sister who are trying to survive in this world, and I'm just going to pour myself out to them just like God poured himself out to me. You see it throughout the New Testament, this, this togetherness that, that God shows us to be as the body of, of Christ. You see it in the letters written to the churches, in regions, and in cities throughout the Mediterranean, imploring the churches to what? The message every time is be unified. Be unified in Christ. When Paul's writing a letter, he's writing to a problem that's happening in a city, and he's saying, first of all, stop doing that and be unified under Christ. Stop doing that and be unified under Christ over and over and over again. He's calling them to unity in each of these letters. You see that resounding uh, uh, symbol over and over and over again as you examine, if you did, did a word study quickly on uh, the one another's of the New Testament. Okay, There's like 60 one another's in the, in the New Testament, uh, and I just picked off a few of them uh, that I'm going to share with you tonight, that we are to be together, doing these things unto one another, 
Um, seven times it says we ought to be loving one another, like in 1 John 4, 7, where it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Three times it says we should encourage one another, like in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, where it says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And many, many other one another's like these. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. 2 Corinthians 13.11, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace that the God of love and peace will be with you. Galatians 5.13-14, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, uh, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing, oh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, just as we've done tonight, right? Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 1 Peter 4.9-10, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The one another's of Scripture show us what he's trying to tell us over and over again, that this love that's been poured out on us, these giftings that have been poured out to us, are not to stay with us, but are to go out to one another. We can't live the Christian life without actually applying it into a community. His call to us is to love one another as he has loved us, to serve one another, bear each other's burdens, sing to one another, uh, submit to one another, humble ourselves before each other, show hospitality to each other. All of these things he's telling us, this is not some isolated faith. This is not some philosophical understanding that gets you closer to oneness with God. Rather, God has given himself sacrificially for you so that you can also sacrificially give yourself to those he's put around you. This is not a faith to be lived out in isolation. It can only truly be lived out in love and sacrifice to a community of believers that is following Jesus. Nowhere is this more clear than when Jesus is praying for his followers in the high priestly prayer in John 17. First, he prays for his disciples uh, up until the point of John 17, 20. In verses uh, 10 to 19, he prays for uh, the disciples that he's gathered among him, himself during his time on earth. And he prays this. He prays for their unity. He prays for their sanctification. He prays for them to share boldly the word that he has given them in the world. And he prays for their protection from the evil one. And then he turns and he, he prays also not only for those that he's already called to himself, but those who will receive his word, starting in verse 20. John 17, 20. I do not ask for these only, that is the disciples that have already followed him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. You believe that? God has given us his glory. We've received this word from the disciples, been passed down for 2,000 years, and now it's sitting in our hearts. We're, we're awakened by it through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and his glory is sitting with us. His presence in a, is in us. It encourages despite any circumstance that we face. He has given us that glory, that they may be one even as we are one. Not just the disciples that saw him walking on the earth, but the disciples that would believe in his word as it's passed down. We are one with the Father through this message. How beautiful a thing. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. As a church, we commit to going together to clear water in the world. God has called us to follow his message, his instruction to share the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. He didn't call us to do that alone. He called us to do that in the context of community. Just as, he, as we become one, as we're unified, as we're giving the one another's to one another, what happens is the world looks in on that and says, I want that. I want this loving community that cares for me despite whatever is happening in my week, that they will pour out themselves for me. The, the world is starving for that actual kind of community. Because we are being sanctified and unified by Jesus, the world will see and know the love our Father has poured out on us in Jesus as we demonstrate that love to one another. So for, for members of uh, Restoration Church, the, this is the basis of why we are intentional about committing to one another. Uh, some of you have been through our membership class and conversations, and you've heard these commitments that we've made uh, but hopefully they make sense to you even more after a message like this where we're saying this is the basis of that, right? God didn't just randomly give us instructions of things we want to commit to doing. <laughs> we actually want to commit to these things because God has called us to one another each other, to pour out what he's done in us and put it onto each other and encourage one another. So he's called us to, to these commitments. These are actually straight from our membership document. These are, these are statements we came up with to put verbiage to things we commit to. That we're going to do this. This is what we want to do in response to what God has called us to be. We want to go together. We commit to follow the call to go to Clearwater in the world through personal evangelism and community outreach. We want to learn together. We commit to learning to learning. We commit to communal expositional study and preaching. It's a big long phrase for we commit to studying the passage that we're going to study together in community group and then preaching on that passage the following Sunday. We want to be in rhythm with each other as we study the word of God and proclaim it over our city. Again, we want to learn together. We want to commit to encourage each other. You heard it say encourage one another, build each other up, right? Those are the one another's of scripture. We want to encourage each other through biblical teaching, preaching, and prophetic utterance as the spirit enable us, enables us. We want to commit to doing life together. We commit to helping one another through the challenges of life, especially in the context of our community groups. We want to celebrate together. We commit to regularly gathering for worship through song. We also commit to regularly celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we commit to proclaiming our identification with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. We also, as many of you know, commit to praying together. We commit to pray for the church in our region and around the world. 
and for each other. We commit to serving together. We want to care for the afflicted that are in our midst. As God brings people in our midst that are afflicted with whatever that may be, spiritual or physical or otherwise, we want to care for the needs in our midst. And we also commit to working together to set up meetings and groups, right? People, people serve all the time, every single week, to come help set up on Sundays and, and in the evenings for community groups and prepare meals and all this kind of thing. We're serving each other. We're saying this is valuable, and we'll put effort in to make sure that this happens. Where does all that come from? That comes from a heart to one another to one another, right? We want to give ourselves to one another. We want to be together as we follow Jesus. I put these, uh, this is geeky, okay? But I, I did it, so I'm going to share it because you got you to gotta see it, okay? So I talked this over the markers at one point, but this is what together looks like on a Sunday morning, okay? This is a time slot, all right? So... From 9.30 in the morning, people start serving together, right? They've come to, yeah, it's, I know, it's really small, sorry. All right. They come together and they serve together by, by setting up service and, and band rehearsal, people putting mats out on the floor every Sunday morning and, and, and practicing songs and all this kind of thing. We're serving together every Sunday morning. And for 30 minutes, we give 30 minutes to come and eat together and enjoy each other's company, drink a, a good cup of coffee. And then we celebrate together through corporate singing. We learn together through the preaching of the word. We pray together through our prayer groups and country, praying for a church and a country. We celebrate again together by taking the Lord's Supper. We do life together again after service for as long as y'all want to hang around, right? With hugs and handshakes and more conversation. And we serve together, together again by tearing down service and getting it ready to be a coffee shop once again. This is what a Sunday morning looks like. It's not unintentional that we do these things. We're actually applying the things that we desire to commit to to our every single meeting. Same thing on community groups, right? We get together, we have dinner together, we do life together over a meal, we get to share with one another. We learn together by looking at the word and saying, what does this word say to you? We're not trying to get some agenda out there of what we're teaching, we're just saying, what is the Bible speaking to you right now? And finally, we, we pray together every, uh, at the end of every community group. So I just want to get this point across to us, and I think you, I think you hear it well as we, as we wrap up here. I want to go with this thing. Jesus came. <laughs> We've been celebrating that over the past four weeks, his advent, his coming to earth. He came, uh, but he came not just to save you. His coming was not just about giving you salvation. He wanted to give you salvation. That, that is for sure. He wanted to become your savior. That is his desire for certain, to go to the cross and die for our sins. That is his desire. He did it. He fulfilled it. He finished it, right? But he didn't just come to save you. He came to show you his love every single day until eternity, starting with your day of salvation. He didn't, like, come and it would be like this, right? Okay, so I didn't, like, propose to Christy and decide, I don't want to see her ever again. I'm just going to propose to her, have a big ceremony, and, and say goodbye, right? That, that would be stupid, right? <laughs> right? To, to buy a ring, date, you know, all this kind of thing, and, and say, hey, will you marry me? And then, like, leave, right? That would be silly, right? I proposed to her so that we could spend our entire life together, so I could marry her and spend every day of my life with her. It's a mystery, but this is the same thing with the Lord. He died for us to save us but also because he wanted to spend his entire life with us, eternity with us. He didn't come to die just to be your Savior. He came to die to be your Lord, 
that you would show your love unto him and that he could demonstrate his love unto you as well, starting today and into eternity. He wants to be together with you. He wants to share his good news, but he wants to be among you and with you. And no better place is that demonstrated than in a church, than in a body of believers that says, I've seen what Jesus did for me, and I can't help but pour that out to somebody else. Because if I don't, I'm just going to go crazy and get caught in some mind game philosophy thing in my room and not actually ever apply what he's saying, right? When you know what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, you have to give it back out. And so this is the call of our church to go together, that we would be together in all these things, serving, praying, celebrating, etc. all these things that we pour out into each other because of what Christ has done for us. He came to save us, and that is good news. But the good news is that he's not just a savior, he's a Lord that wants our best in every circumstance, whether, whether good or bad circumstance, right? He wants our best, and he is for us. And so uh, we're so excited that we have a savior like this that we can celebrate every day of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful uh, for the new year that's ahead. We're so thankful for what you're going to do in it, and, and we anticipate it just like any new year. We look forward and say, okay, this, this clock is going to turn into another year. The 22 is going to turn to a 23. It's the first time in 365 days that that number has changed for us, and we look forward with anticipation as to see what 2023 is going to hold. And Lord, we just want to say that, that it's your year that today is your day and, and next year is your year and every day of it is yours and we just want to give it to you, God. And so we ask, Lord, that you would show us how we can serve you, honor you, glorify you in the coming year that is ahead. Lord, we are so grateful for what you're doing in our midst. We're so thankful for all the people you've brought together in this church and, and the way they love each other day in and day out. And so, God, we, we look forward to what you have for us, and we pray that you would show us more and more what it means to go together here in Clearwater, what you want to do with us in this, in this city. Um, we pray that you would show us how to serve those among us with the good news of Jesus Christ. God, you've called us here for a reason and a purpose, and, and we just want to follow you. We just want to follow your instructions to make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything you have said. And you say you will be with us in that. And you say you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And so, God, we just come alongside you and say we want to be with you and want to serve you into eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.